Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Yes, welcome everybody. How is everybody doing? Oh my goodness, what a fun Sunday to be here. So glad that you all are here. We have some special guests, and um, shout out to Bill and Edie for being married 30 years. Yeah. She always loves when I talk about her and embarrass her. Edie, I love you. (laughs) Oh, goodness. We are in the middle of Ephesians, and uh, last week we covered Ephesians 1, so if you have your Bible, you can turn it uh, to Ephesians. We are in chapter 2 this week, and last week we talked all about that we have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And what that means and how the Holy Spirit is really a guarantee or a down payment, a preview of what is to come. So in chapter 2, Paul starts off with a little kind of a a heavy tone. um, But I want you to keep in mind everywhere Christ is mentioned in this chapter. He really is the the main theme of this. So um, be mindful of that. And then also when you guys came in, there's some three by five note cards Keep those handy because we're going to do a little tiny activity with those coming up. So get ready for that. So here we go. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, your word. Thank you that it is our truth and it is our light. I pray that you would speak to every person in this room. Um, Show us just the riches of your salvation, your riches of your love, and also just um, speak to us how, how, how we are to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Ephesians 2 starts off like this. This is a new international version. As for you, you were dead, dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. I look at that scripture and I see the spirit who is now at work. And I see, wow, that is really so clear and evident in our world today. Um, But Paul is saying that we were dead in our sin and transgression, not physically dead, but inside spiritually. There was a void. There was an emptiness. And if somebody is physically dead, that's a big problem. They need more than a doctor. Like they need a miracle, right? And when we think about what does it look like for our spirits to be dead, truly we need transformation, we need a miracle. We, more, we need more than just a teacher or a book or a guide or a study. We really need something miraculous. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you were dead in your sin and transgressions. Yet I had love for you and I sent my son for you. And see, I understand. I mean, I, I'm sure that there's some of you guys who never had a, a shady past. But I remember living that life. Me and Leroy, he he chuckled. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I went to church and I did all the stuff. I went to youth group. But there was part of me that I know this is wrong and I'm fully going to choose to do it. It was about me, what I wanted, fun, pleasure, whatever. Like that's what I was about. 
And during that time of like really living in the world, it never occurred to me like, wow, I'm really living in darkness. <laughs> I'm living in shaded reality. Like there's a work in, in my life that the enemy is getting a hold of. And I didn't understand that. It wasn't evident. And um, Paul transitions here. And in that state of darkness, in that state of sin and rebellion towards God, he transitions into the, one of the most beautiful verses in all the Bible. So if you have it in front of you, make sure to circle this because this is my favorite but in the Bible. Are you ready for this? Here we go. It says, but in the midst of all that sin, but because of his great love for us, God, in rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. In all of this, even though I was against God's work in my life, but God, in his grace, came and he saved us. It was his great love and rich mercy expressed through love that he made me alive. And so that spirit now coming alive, his Holy Spirit in us, the void that never can be quenched, no matter how much you know, money I have or what status I have or anything like that, that hole inside, God fills it and makes us alive. And the word for that in the Greek is called soza. It refers to God delivering people from death and giving them life. It's defined as to save, keep safe and sound and rescue from danger or destruction. And I know that everybody has been probably watching the news and heard the decision of Roe v. Wade. And I look at this passage and I, I look at how people were dead and the spirit is really at work. That our battle is not against flesh and blood. But I see that on the news. I'm watching this live and I'm seeing the protesters who are so angry at this decision. And I'm seeing people to talk to her and I just have this image of this girl and the lady was, you know, trying to be sweet, I imagine. I'm not sure what their conversation was, but instantly she pulled out this satanic pentagram and it's like, no, I don't want to hear what you're saying. I don't care. And it was just like, man, you could really see for the first time this spiritual battle that's going on. Because truly it is like God is the author of life, right? And the enemy wants to contort that. And there is a battle because Satan is all about Lie, kill, steal, and destroy. And so he cloaks it with different words like choice. But I'm, 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 I literally, Susie and I were talking about this. I'm like, I want to be able to take myself out of this. Like, I'm Christian. I'm conservative. Like, let me just put my hat off. And let me really try to understand their, their logic. But I just fail to see how it makes sense. How does it make sense that a, a woman has a baby in her womb and it has no rights, and then it's born five minutes later, and now it's embodied with all the rights of the Constitution. That logic never seems to really hold true. And I think about, like, God, they need revelation. They need understanding. It's not about faith. It's about life. Like, it truly is a life. And technology proves that. And so I just begin to weep and pray for that girl. Because truly, like, that was me. That was us in this room. We're no better than that. But God's love, but God rich in mercy. Yes. God rich in mercy. My life wasn't all that straight. It was broken. It was crooked. I was doing things I shouldn't have done. 
and like praise God for his grace. And I think now, like I was even talking to Jackie and she says, you know, now more than ever, it's our job as the church to really rise up. Like, it's great to say, hey, you know, abortion is murder. You shouldn't do that. And then the, the lady's like, I need help. <laughs> oh, well, I know babies are a lot of work. Good luck with that, you know. <laughs> I'll be praying for you. No, like, the birth of the church in the history is filled with examples where, like, Christians took in chi- children and raised them and began to create a culture of faith. Yes. Like, so, I mean... Like Susie and I are like, what's our responsibility in this? What's our responsibility in this? Because like God has created us, born us, chose us to live in this society. What's our role in this? I talked to a staff person at uh, Choices Pregnancy Center. And he says, man, we are on high alert. Homeland, FBI, we have you know, officers contacting us and security. We have off." Uh, like off-duty security um, police in our centers and it's just like my job's all security like we need to reach out how can we pray for you how can we care for you the volunteers like in the trenches because hey these are wonderful people these are our neighbors these are the people we see at the grocery store who are caught in unwanted pregnancies and they don't know what to do like this is a great opportunity to show god's love because we were there we were lost and we needed help. And so just as God has helped us pray, hey, how am I to respond in this issue? What's my role in this? Ephesians continues on. Verse uh, 6, it says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are seated with Christ. <laughs> like, God, I, I can't even comprehend what that looks like, you know? I can imagine, like, getting tickets to the, the Super Bowl this next year and having a backstage pass. Like, that would be epic, right? <laughs> I can go, whoa, whoa, have that big badge and, you know. But, like, imagine being seated with Christ is even higher level of a backstage pass. Like, we are seated with him in the, in the heavenlies, right? Like, right there in the Oval Office. Not in the Oval Office, but I don't know what it looks like in heaven. It's going to be cool. In the throne, yes. Thank you, yes. We have a theologian here. Uh, verse 8 says this. So this is, how, this is how we're saved. It says, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. It's a gift from God, not by works so that anyone can boast. So God extends grace, and we walk through the tunnel of faith, if you will. So we, we talked about faith yesterday, and I defined it. The opposite of faith is, you guys remember? It's sight. <laughs> the opposite of faith is sight. When we're with Jesus in heaven, we don't have to have faith that he's coming back again, because we don't need faith. He's, it's, it's already occurred. So really this walk of Christianity, this walk of faith is saying, you know what? I have faith that this word is true. I have faith that this is going to be the best plan for my life. And I have faith that God loves me and chose me, that his grace is real. And I accept that forgiveness. I accept that salvation. That's what that is about. And I'm thankful that it says that we are saved by grace. It's not by church attendance that we're saved. 
It's not by volunteering or being a good person, like I'm a good person, I can go to heaven. It's truly because God initiated grace in our lives. And we responded in faith, receiving that. And all glory goes to God in Revelations that says, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Praise God for that. Now, I think it's interesting that Paul now begins to shift in transition, and he pivots, and in verse 10, he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works. <laughs> so here he's saying, it's faith, it's grace, it's love, but now he's saying, because of that, we're created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. Think about that. If, if we are correct in the assumption that the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy, then he wants to allow us to feel like we are less than God, what God made us to be. Because when we are down and discouraged, when we feel like life is not worth living, when we feel like, you know what, this world would be better off if we were not here that nobody really cares about us, that I don't belong. Like these are lies that the enemy tells us to begin to push down the level of God's work in our lives. And because of that, people turn to horrible ways of ending their life. That's a reality thing. So in my house, like, we have a, a no-put-down rule. <laughs> The kids can't call each other names. I don't call them names. Oh, man, you're stupid. You're ugly. Da-da-da-da-da. No, because I want to elevate. I want to give Christ the position that you are created in his image. You are his handiwork. You are a masterpiece. How dare we put each other down? And how, how dare in our minds we lessen who God created us to be? Like that is not God's plan for us. Um, in the note card, in your seat, I thought it would be fun to say, you know what, let this be a chance where we can encourage others. Let this be a chance, because oftentimes we begin to live our lives, and we don't see how others view us, and the gifts and the beauty that God's given us. So right now, if, if there's a person that comes to mind um, in this congregation, you can look around and be like, you know what? I saw them do that. That was extraordinary. I'm really blessed by this person. When they told me that, I, that really meant a lot. And you're like, Pastor Sean, I don't even know their name. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. We're creating a space where it's okay. And you can write down, hey, I see God's goodness in your life. I see that you are created wonderfully. Um, Lori's got some pens. If you have, uh, if you need a pen to write somebody, just write them a note that, you know what, I recognize the masterpiece of who God created you to be. So we're going to take a quick minute and you can just jot down some notes. And then at the end of service, just give them that note card and say, you know what, I see God's goodness in your life. You are made wonderfully. You are uniquely made. So you can go ahead and I'll give you 30 seconds and you can fill out this card. Maybe we need, maybe we need some background music. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I hope we need more cards. Don't cheat. Don't do two. Don't do two cards. No, maybe you can.
something you see special in that person. While you're filling that out, I want to share this story. Um, when I read the, the verse, it says that God has these good works that he's planned and he's prepared in advance for us to do. I think about painting. And um, we've painted, Susie and I, we've painted a lot in different houses. And Susie, I'm not sure if you know this fact about her, but she is so excellent in painting. You know that line, that edge between the ceiling and the wall? And you've got to make sure that line is super straight, otherwise it looks really sloppy. She can do that freehand. It's amazing to watch. <laughs> so I think about this verse, and I think in my job of the painting, like I go to the Home Depot store, I get the paint, I stir it all up, I get the drop cloth down, I buy the brushes and the liner and the roller. I get everything prepared, everything planned out in advance. And then I says, Susie, it's ready for you. And she comes and she dips the paint, she gets on the stool, and she just begins to do her magic. And I thought, isn't that a great picture of what God does? That's a great picture of how he involves us. I think about um, decorating cookies with kids, right? Um, a lot of times you'll see this at the holidays, and the parents say, oh, we want to do this fun activity. So they, they go to the grocery store, and they get all the ingredients, and then they follow all the recipe and make it and cook it just at the right temperature because sugar cookies are really easy to get hard, right? I don't like that. I don't like a hard sugar cookie. You've got to get them just right, and I'm bad at doing that. Anyways, so then they, they set up this whole area with the frosting and the sprinkles, and then they say, kids, come on, and they're excited, and they get their frosting, and they do these sprinkles and this, right? And then they proudly hold their cookie, and what do they have the audacity to say? Look what I made. No, you didn't make that cookie. Mom made that cookie, right? <laughs> but they share in the joy of the process. Like, they share in that, and it's a great time. Imagine if the, if the kid's just like, you know what, I'm busy, right? Like, I'm watching Cocomelon or something, right? Like, your four-year-old kid, you're like, no, stop that. We're going to do this cookie. And I think, man, I wonder if I've missed out on opportunities, that God's prepared these great plans, these great works for me to do, and I get busy. And I'm like, God, forgive me for that. Help me be mindful. I want to I wanna recognize me doing good works that you planned and prepared for us in advance. I just think it's so wonderful when you do get on God's page and when you, you have a chance to care for somebody or say somebody or say something encouraging. It's so, so wonderful. The next part of uh, the chapter is when Paul kind of talks about that how we were outsiders. In verse 12, he says, Hey, guys, remember that you were once separated from Christ excluded from citizenship in Egypt, or excuse me, in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God's word. And I wonder, I, I just think, you know what? There's many people probably right here in this place and in our community that feel like outsiders. But through Christ, we are citizens of heaven. We're not foreigners any longer. And that's why we want to create events here at, at Streams where we, you know, have cookouts or youth fundraisers or just hang out. And we've got some watermelon we're giving away next week and things like that. It's just a chance for us to create some mixers because I love the fact that Streams is a friendly church. But I also want this to be a place where people can come and make friends, make relationships, and that's why we do what we do, because everybody needs community. That's how we're hardwired. 
We're hardwired for community. Verse 13 says, But now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. And he has made the two groups one, destroying the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. God's heart and his desire are to make the two groups one, to bring unity. And whatever barrier is there, he wants to destroy it. And he does it by his spirit. And I think we all realize that this is pretty hard. Unity is difficult, right? And I think that uh, more than any time, I mean, in the Bible it talks about Jews and Gentiles. But these were the two major groups. You either were a Gentile or you're a Jew. But he's saying, hey, I want to make this one because of my spirit, because of my church. And we see that there are some hard divisions in our culture political divisions, even family tensions where there's divisions there. And COVID has really stirred up a lot of that. And I think to myself, you know what? I recognize that I have free will. And I think that's what makes unity so difficult is because we both have free will. And I want to make sure that on my side of the fence that there are no walls of hostility. That as I extend my hand in friendship in relationship and unity, even though we don't agree on everything, even though we have different thoughts of views, as humanity, we can still come together. We don't have to be at odds. And I'm not against you if I believe differently than you. Does that make sense? That love really is, should be our, our, our motivating factor. And if, and if their free will blocks that, then that's fine. But as I was praying and preparing this service, I really thought, you know what, I, I know that I have been guilty of believing lies, that there are walls in my mind and in my thought life that create distance between me and God. And I wonder, are there any walls of hostility set up in our minds that create this distance, that I'm not worthy of God's love, that he's too busy for me, that, you know what, this circumstance hit my life and it just, it draws a line that God doesn't care or whatever those walls of hostility are. I, I pray that God's word, that you would examine your life through that and see God's love, and that if there's any walls that are separating you from a closer walk and relationship with God, that you would begin to, the healing journey of that. Maybe there's people you need to forgive. Maybe there's bitterness that you need to let go. I pray that God speaks to you in that. Um, the last few verses are just, again, showing more unity. Um, verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. He's saying that you belong, that no matter how you feel, no matter how many church people have hurt you in the past, that this is God's plan. He's coming back for the church. He's coming back for his bride. There's no plan B. <laughs> There's no plan B. Built on the foundation, verse 20, of the apostles and prophets with Christ, Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Again, we see Jesus is really a big theme. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
Do you see God's heart for unity? You are designed for a purpose. You have a place in God's family, in his church. You guys make a wonderful family for people. There's people who have broken families, and they come into this congregation, and you love the heck out of them. (laughs) You're like, yeah, you can live in my house. Yeah, I'll invite you to the movies. Yeah, let's meet for lunch. Yeah, come with me on this retreat. Like, you guys love people well. I love that about you guys, <laughs> Streams Church. I love that. So my final question as we close is a hard question, but I have to do it because I got to poke at you because I'm the pastor, right? The question is, is what is love requiring of me? What's love requiring of me? Because I imagine that when Jesus encountered people, it wasn't easy to love them. But I'm thankful for the verse that even though they were against God, but God in his rich grace and mercy came after us. So I wonder, what, what's God requiring of you? Because love isn't cheap, is it? Love costs you. It's hard to forgive. There's a price for that. But we have the choice to forgive. Love costs to meet our neighbors or to reach out or to invite somebody, to include somebody who's awkward, (laughs) who doesn't fit, (laughs) or to pray for people. Like there's a price for that. Or maybe God's saying, hey, look, you know, like the reality is, is there's going to be more of a need for foster, more of a need for adoption. Like what is God calling us to do? What's love calling you to do? Because I believe this Bible, and I believe that you guys were created in God's image, that you're his masterpiece, and I believe that he has prepared good works for you to do. And your life is going to be so fulfilled as you do those good works. So if I can have the the worship team come back up, I just want to pray for us. And even in this last song, I just... In a heart of worship, just say, okay, God, what, you know, show me what, what, what the good works that you have planned for me to do. And chances are it's not going to be instant. But as you're being mindful of that this week, this summer, this year, realize that there are times and seasons that come along that God wants to include you in that good plan, in that good work. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word. We are so thankful that we are not saved by works, (laughs) but we're saved by grace to do good works. Um, And you love us even when we fumble and we don't do those things. Your grace is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So God, forgive us. And I pray that you would open up our eyes of understanding, that we would be sensitive to your nudges, sensitive to the Holy Spirit saying, go talk to them, go deliver that, go care for them. Sometimes just a listening ear is all that people need. Um, I pray for courage that people are like, no, I don't want to care for that person. Whatever, whatever that person is, if you're giving them an assignment that they would lean on you and not their understanding, that they would do it as an act of worship to you. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you for letting us be a part of this community in this time. I do pray for your protection for choices and all pro-life centers. I pray for churches. And God, we don't want to look like the culture. We want to be different. 
We want to include people in your love to be a part of this wonderful family. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.